listen, 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 listen. I don't know about you, it's just been one of those weeks for me where I just wanted, <laughs> where that just met me right where I needed to be. Even as I'm walking up here to deliver a message, sometimes you just gotta take a praise break at times in our lives. You know, this week, uh, we are in an interesting place in our farewell discourse. We're at the end, and Jesus is praying. Isn't it amazing all the lessons that he taught? He started off in 13, washing the feet of his disciples, going and going to the communion table, doing the communion table, teaching all of these lessons. But now he's at the end. He's on his way to the cross. But guess what he does? He said, uh, uh, he said, Kristen Hannigan left off. In this life, there'll be trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In other words, you have victory. But now in verse 7, chapter 17, guess what Jesus is doing? He's praying. We find our Lord praying. And if I were to ask you to say the Lord's Prayer this morning, you would go to Matthew chapter 6, wouldn't you? You would say what? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day. Yep. and deliver us from evil and you amen amen and what, what, what we're doing here we would actually say we're doing the Lord we were saying the Lord's prayer but Grace City that's not the Lord's prayer if you go to Matthew chapter 6 you will see these words they were asking Jesus how should we pray and Jesus said, you should pray like this. <laughs> this prayer is actually the disciples' prayer. Jesus taught his disciples to pray like that. The question was asked to Jesus, how should we pray? This is not the Lord's prayer. This is the disciples' prayer. Jesus didn't pray for forgiveness because Jesus never sinned. <laughs> Let me say it again. Jesus never sinned. He didn't have to pray for forgiveness. <laughs> so this week, Grace City, we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer that Jesus prays at the end of his conversation with the disciples at the farewell discourse. He prays for himself. He prays for his disciples. And he prays for his church. Let's look at John 17, the first section, the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus prays for himself. This is the word of the Lord. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed. <laughs> Father, the hour has come to glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on the earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Let, me, let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for this time together. 
Father, you are the potter, we are the clay. Mold us, make us, break us to what you need us to be. Holy Spirit, we give you full authority. Minister through our minds, speak with our tongue, love with our hearts, in Jesus' name, and all God's children say amen. Verse 5 grabs our attention this morning. Now, and now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. For the time that's mine, just for a little while, I'm just going to preach this morning, praying the way of glory. Praying the way of glory. John, the word glory means to give honor and respect, praise that is due. Kathy, uh, I can't really speak for other cultures this morning, but I can say in the African-American culture, respect and honor to parents is something that's very important in our culture. In other words, in black homes, respect to adults and di or disrespect to adults don't go very well. Some of us, uh, if I can be honest, some of the worst days in the Barnes residence is when our black children cross the line with disrespect to their black parents. And see, <laughs> uh, I come from uh, a, a family that introduced the spiritual gift of laying on of hands by the elders early in my ministry. <laughs> I remember as a child, uh, one of the things uh, that happened that I called myself giving my parents some respect. Uh, one day I remember getting in a fight in school because someone disrespected my father. We were going back and forth over something and he said the magical word that would get you upset. He said, your father. He called my father out of his name. I jumped up, I got into his face, and I grabbed him, and we tussled, and we ended up going to the office because he disrespected my father. They called my parents up to the office. They called my mom and dad. They came in the office, and my chest was poked out because I stood up for my parents because this guy disrespected our name. He disrespected my father. My dad came up to the school and he said to me, he said, uh, they, they said, why, why, why am I up here? And they said, your son got into a fight. My son, I said, dad, you know, they disrespected us and our, our name and, and I wasn't gonna allow him to do that. My dad looked at me and said, uh, you disrespected me because I'm up here at this school for some foolishness. <laughs> he said, I feel disrespected. And he said these words, he said, the purpose and why, why we pay for you to get in that, the purpose and why we have you in this school and why we pay for school is so that you will get an education. He asked me, are you getting an education right now sitting in this office? He said, if you want to respect me and honor me, do what I, do what I purpose for you to do. 
Do the thing that I set out for you to do, which is to get an education. My father said, I know who I am. I don't need you to get, I don't need you to try to line up my name to somebody else. I need you to get aligned with the purpose of why you are in school. I don't get no honor from your fighting. I get honor and respect from you for being in line with what I purpose for you to do. You know, Grace City, oftentimes I wonder how many times we do things that we think honor God by doing the things in his name but not aligned with his purpose. Great City, our prayer life helps us to align with God's purpose and will for our lives. Prayer allows us to be in constant communication with the heart and the mind of the Father. Jesus and the Father were always in tune because he was in constant communication with the Father. Jesus understood the purpose and why he came to earth. He never lost sight of the purpose of why he came to earth and what he was called to fulfill. You know, Jesus, when he walked into, church, walked into a synagogue in Luke chapter 4 and he opened up the book to, to show he is the fulfillment of the ultimate purpose. He walks into there and he said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to open up the prison doors to those who are back, those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Right there in Luke 4, you see Jesus opens up and say, this is my purpose. This is my mission statement. This is why I came to earth. I understand my purpose. But then you got to go back to Isaiah 61 because Luke the writer stops there, but the scripture goes on. It says, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourns, to console those who are mourning in Zion, to give beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planning of the Lord. But here it is that he may be glorified. <laughs> that the ultimate goal that he came to earth to fulfill and to heal, to set captives free, but more importantly, he came to earth to glorify the Father, to give the Father honor and glory. Jesus was about his Father's business. He was sent here to save those who was lost. Jesus' assignment was, to, was a rescue mission to save those who are lost and to glorify his Father. Jesus, this is where we are in the text. Jesus prayed aloud. He was speaking to God and the people that was around him. He's giving a prayer, and we know this is called a priestly prayer or a prayer of intercession. Jesus' prayer, this John 17 prayer, is a prayer of intercession. We call it a priestly prayer because it is this idea back in Jewish culture that only the righteous could come into the holies of holies. And so the priests would come into the holies of holies taking the sins of the people, taking their so that they would be cleansed and washed. 
But in Jewish culture, sometimes the priest wasn't as holy and he wasn't God. So what they would do is they would, so if I had to take you all sins to the holies of holy, what they would do is tie a rope around me. So when I go in the holies of holies, if I'm not as holy as I'm claiming to be, I would drop dead and they would take that rope and pull me out of there. <laughs> so the priest's job, watch this, uh, is to intercede on behalf of the people. And so this, this prayer that Jesus is giving is a priestly interceding prayer for the people. And so John said, this is why this is the Lord's prayer. He is the one that intercedes on our behalf. This is good theology. Y'all write notes on this. I'm preaching good. Jesus, who was righteous priest, interceded on our behalf in his prayer. Our prayer is like how we use the power of attorney, church. Grace City, this is exactly what happened. We, he, we, we pray to God and, uh, and we pray through the Holy Spirit and through that prayer, uh, you know, the Father looks at our prayers and, you know, the Holy Spirit said, we don't know what to pray. And then he looks at Jesus. Jesus then signs off on the prayer and the prayer comes to us and then our lives are changed. Uh, he looks over this, and, and so Jesus is our power of attorney. Now, it doesn't work like most of us do because we think we can ask God for anything and just say, in Jesus' name. <laughs> that, that's not the power of how the power of attorney works. Uh, we just say, I can ask God in Jesus' name. No, that's not how it works. It, it is the alignment of God and being aligned with his will that then and through Jesus' name that we are able to intercede on behalf of others. I'm so, but here in the text, we find something really unique. The first part of this prayer is Jesus is praying for himself. Jesus is praying for himself. He's interceding for himself. And I don't know about you, I'm glad Jesus didn't wait for his prayer partners in order to intercede for him. Because if Jesus had waited for his prayer partners, we know hours later what his prayer partners did. See, watch this, y'all. After he prays, he leaves and goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. He goes with his prayer partners. He tells the prayer partners, y'all pray, and I'm going to go ahead on up here. But while I'm up here going through what I'm going through, I want y'all to pray for me. Jesus literally, watch this, y'all. He's on his way to the cross. He's sweating blood. He's, he's sweating blood. So, and it's that passage, that powerful passage, where he's sitting up there and he says, Father, if it's, if it's your will, could you take this cup from me? He's bleeding. He's, uh, I'm on my, this is the hardest thing I've ever experienced. I have all the sins of the world on my shoulder. And then he says, but not my will, but thy will be done. And his prayer partners are supposed to be praying at the hardest time in this moment. And the text says they're asleep. <laughs> I'm so glad Jesus 
prayed for himself uh, and not wait for his prayer partners. Uh, let me come get you. Some of y'all keep calling your prayer partners, uh, but you need to get on your knees right now and pray for yourself. You... Lord have mercy. Pray for the prayer partners. Pray. Uh, so Jesus says, glory, Jesus prays uh, for himself and he, his prayer is that he would be glorified. Jesus uh, is not saying that to just give me honor and glory. This prayer that Jesus is praying is that he has completed the assignment. He has completed the work, the work that he's called the earth to do. And this assignment was given to him in eternity and he is to return back to eternity when the work is completed. And Jesus is saying at this moment, glorify me because the work is finished and now I am ready to go back to the glory. That's good news for some of us because when this work is done, <laughs> in, this, in this hard society and the things that we give our lives to, you don't have to worry about being stuck in the ground, but you will be a place in glory with your Christ, Lord Jesus Christ. That's good news. Jesus is the substitutionary atonement, the one that takes on the sins of the world. He is the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. He is on the way to the cross. He's ready to do the work. And now when the work is done, he says, Father, now hold your end of the bargain. Glorify me. I want to be back with you. Revealing righteousness, revealing justice, revealing holiness, revealing his grace, revealing his mercy, revealing his love. When Jesus asked to be glorified, his son, he is asking for the eternal plan of redemption to be consummated exactly as it has been ordained. Jesus requests for himself the glory that through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that after it's all done, he would be with his father. This is absolute alignment with the will of the Father, which was to be made, which was made in eternity. Jesus is simply aligning himself with the plan of God that was set in eternity. I cannot say that enough, that the plan of God was set into eternity. See, I know it feels like we're figuring it out on this earth and trying to navigate all this stuff, but the plan of God was set in eternity and we are to return back to eternity. Lord have mercy. I know, I know y'all struggling right now because you have a theology where four pages of the scriptures are ripped out. Most of us look at, look at start at Genesis chapter 3 and it starts at sin and go, to, and go to Revelation 20 and it ends at judgment. But that's not the Bible. That's not where it started. It started at Genesis 1 at the creation and it ends at Revelation 21, the new creation, where all things are made new. All things are made whole again. Lord have mercy. Y'all don't know good preaching when you hear it. He said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth have been passed away. There's no longer any more seas. The holy city, the new Jerusalem is coming down. Listen, great city. All things are made new in glory of God. No more cancer, no more sickness, no more dementia, no more hate, 
No more injustice. All things are made new in his glory. I dare somebody your glory this morning. I dare somebody to bring glory this morning because what we need to do is that we need to approach things with glory on our minds because when we got glory on our minds, we can walk up to the sick, lay hands on the sick, and watch it. Here's the glory. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of his peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are. Y'all don't know what. If I was in a Baptist church up in there, good God Almighty. First point here, my first point here this morning is simply this. And it's simply this. What does it look like to to pray with glory in mind? Jesus prayed with glory in mind. In Great City, when we pray with glory in mind, we know three things. Christ possessed the right to God's glory. (laughs) Christ possesses the right to God's glory. Here it is, watch this. After Jesus said this, look up. He looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the, the, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may be glorified. Here it is. For you granted him authority over all people that that he may give eternal life to all those you have given him. Jesus asked the Father to glorify him because he understood his rights. He understood it was glory was a right. I, I said, good God Almighty, Glory was a right. When we pray with glory in rhyme, you have your rights. Yeah, yeah, because uh, when, when the police pull you over, and you look the police in the face and you say, I know my rights. Well, I come to tell you this morning, you can look the enemy in the face. <laughs> You can look death in the face <laughs> and say, I know my rights. <laughs> Woo! Help me, Bob. Help me. Help me, Bob. Jesus knew he had a right to glory, church. What does your faith look like when you operate like you know glory is yours? You have that right. He understands the authority that was given to him as, listen, we have that same authority as citizens of heaven. You can stand in that confidence knowing that you have that right to be with your father. Great city, the citizens of heaven is access to glory. Listen, after salvation, sanctification there's glorification. <laughs> Let me say that again. After you're saved and you've been washed by his blood, there's glorification. God grants grants authority of eternal life through Jesus. The central theme of the book of John is Jesus is the source of eternal life. That's the theme of the book. 
The right to glory is because the Father gave authority. He gave him authority to heal the sick. He gave him authority to cast out demons. He gave him the authority to forgive sins. He gave him authority of salvation. He gave him the authority to lay down his life. He gave him the authority to pick up his life. He gave him the authority to be raised from the grave. And the same power that conquers the grave lives in you and lives in me. He gave you the authority. So the first thing I see here, church, is Christ possessed the right to God's glory. But the second thing I see here is Christ positions God's people for glory. <laughs> woo, woo, woo. Good God Almighty. I'm so glad he didn't leave the right just for him. But he positioned us for glory. Here it is right in the text. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven. Look, he prayed, Father, the hours come for me to glorify your son that your son may glorify me. For you granted him authority over all people that he may give eternal life to all those who have given. Here it is, right? Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. We are positioned for glory from the relationship with Christ. He says he gives us glory by eternal life in our relationship with the word here know is the word gnosko in the Greek. It's not intellectual knowing. It is an intimate, loving relationship. It is the relationship of love. It's the relationship of peace. It's the relationship of community. It's the relationship of redemption. This word gnosko means to be in community, to be in relationship, to be close, to be in peace with this Jesus. Woo! Ah! That, that, that we can enjoy this, enjoy him together, the glory through this relationship. The life that we are to live in eternity refers to the quality of life, not just the quantity of life. And that's, that's good news for us because this relationship that we have with Jesus now, it, it, it simply means that it's not just something we have on earth, but it carries over to eternity. That, that, that even so, you know, for many years, um, um, people, you can have two mindsets. You can wait for glory or eternity, and so this life is so hard. Um, and then there are those who have good life, that have, a, that have a good life here on earth, and not understand that there's a life after that. But this text lets us know that it's ha you can have it right now. If you've got a relationship with Jesus right now, you can have that peace, that communion, that redemption, and it doesn't stop when you die. It goes on to glory. <sighs> Lord, have mercy, I'm working too hard for the simplicities of the gospel. <laughs> Jesus took sin of the world that those, for those who believe. Listen, I tell people this all the time because as a pastor, you get this question framed in different ways. And it's simply this. Am I going to make it to heaven. Some way in this career, people package that in some way, and the question is, how do we get to heaven? Am I going, who's going to heaven? And I have my basic answer that I give, which is the truth. Pastor Coria Barnes 
don't have a heaven or hell to put you in. But the text this morning says Jesus does. The text this morning says Jesus has the authority through the relationship with him rather we go to heaven or hell. Here's what I'll commit to you this morning. It's probably a good idea to have a relationship with Jesus if this authority is true. It might be a good idea. Paul writes it this way. If, in Romans 10 and 9, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus has rose from the dead, he says, thou shalt be saved. It is the mouth that we confess is that the heart we have a relationship with this Jesus. It might be a good idea based on the text. I'm just going by what John is writing that we should have a relationship with Jesus if we want to be in glory. Well, I've got to keep going. I'm closing now. The first thing I see is Christ possessed the right to God's glory. But the second thing I see is Christ positions God's people for glory. But the last thing I see, Christ's perfect accomplishment is the purpose of God's glory. Here it is. After Jesus said this, I'm right here, last one. He looks towards heaven and prays, Father, the hour has come to glorify your son, that your son may glorify him. For he grants him authority over all the people that he might have eternal life. Now this eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God. But here it is. Here's the last part. I've brought you glory on earth. Watch this. By finishing the work you gave me to do. And now the Father glorifies me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world. It is God's perfect plan, Grace City. The Son had to come to earth to those for the Father, and he gave eternal life. Paul writes it this way, and I love the way he writes it. He says, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself a servant, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Watch this. Don't stop there, though. Therefore, God exalted himself to the highest place. He gave him the name that's above every name, that every name, that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord, watch this. Here it is. To the glory of God the Father. Somebody yell glory. <laughs> Christ glorified the Father during his time on the earth by having perfectly accomplished the work which the Father gave him to do. He walked in his purpose. He followed the plan. He completed the promise. Jesus came to earth and had a sinless life so that we would be Un, so he would be the unblemished lamb to take away the sins of the world. Paul writes these words, God made he who, who, didn't, who had no sin took on sin so that we might be what? The righteousness of God. 
Jesus stood in the confidence that when he had accomplished the work according to his plans, that he would be exalted to glory. Great City, I, I close this way the same way I close many Easter's, but I want to just remind you this morning that he came from heaven to earth to show the way. From the earth to the cross, my debts he paid. From the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, that's why we lift his name on high. He is in glory.